this study here already. Is your mic on, Tim? Yep, green. Okay, we're on lesson number six here this evening, which is the sheep of Christ's flock. We're changing up a little bit tonight, because um, the old-fashioned way, I have it written up here on the board um, for the, the blanks and everything, so uh, you got your hand up there as well. So lesson number six, the sheep of Christ's flock, kind of an interesting um, um, lesson tonight, because the next one is actually... A sheep in Christ's care is actually lesson number seven. So kind of two, two lessons kind of on a similar lines here, but this is the first one tonight of a sheep of Christ's flock. Let's just go ahead and pray before we uh, Lord, we thank you for this evening. An opportunity to be able to uh, teach lesson and read it here uh, this evening. I pray that you would just work in our lives and uh, just to focus on the lesson in your word as you have unfold here, and just thank you for your word and how you can pray for us, that you are our good shepherd. The two verses, uh, the text verses there, I don't know if they're on your, on your sheet there, uh, so I'll go ahead and read them. Psalm 95, verse 7, is the first one, it says, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. The second one is Psalm 100, Verse 3, and know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. And as you know, the Bible frequently mentions sheep and shepherds. You see that throughout, throughout Scripture. And Christ has lovingly claimed us as the sheep of his pasture. In this lesson, we're going to look at some Bible principles for how we, as sheep, should respond to a good shepherd. So some objectives to, to be thinking about as we're looking through it tonight is this number one, that we commit to reading and meditating on God's word regularly. Talk about that uh, as we get into the lesson here. Number two is to that we would consecrate ourselves to faithfully follow our shepherd Lord. And number three, that we would be fully convinced of God's trustworthiness to keep his promises that as we, as we jump into the lesson here. As, as, as I kind of mentioned already before, but the Bible mentions sheep and shepherds a lot, and a great deal of the Middle East is kind of a desert, so it's not always possible to grow large amounts of crops. And in Bible times, they were very, obviously, um, a lot smarter than we give credit for, but irrigation wasn't as technologically advanced and easy as it is today. And so many people raised animals rather than scale um, agriculture. So flocks were so relevant though, to the economy that a man's wealth could be measured by the size of his flock. And if a man was wealthy enough to have more flocks than he and his sons could care for, then he would hire shepherds to care for the flock. Now obviously the character and the skill of these guys would be of very much importance to him as the owner essential that these shepherds were capable and trustworthy, or 
getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but what Jesus talks about, no, he's like the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. So the hireling, when one comes, he flees. He cares not for them, but the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep there. And he cares for us, so we don't need to fear any harm coming to us through his ignorance or neglect. Let's look at some principles now for how we as sheep should respond to the good shepherd. So point number one is to hear the shepherd something, and then four is there. First one is voice, correct? And this next word starts with an A. So it's imperative that the sheep listen to him and obey the shepherd. But those of us that have kids know firsthand how important it is that they learn to listen early when uh, they're in early years. Because that obedience could ultimately sometimes be a matter of life and death. If a child wanders in the street and you can't reach him, you want him to listen to your stop before it's too late. And when God's infinite wisdom, he sees things that we can't see. He's perfect in that knowledge. And he instructs us to listen to him so that we can avoid those dangers. Just as sheep need to listen to their shepherd, we need to listen to the Lord and learn his voice. So subpoint A here is constantly a short word starts with an M. Follow. This thing sheep. Follow. being brought back up so that they can chew on some more. This behavior of sheep is uh, really a good picture of our relationship with the Word of God. Where it should be. The Word of God is represented as something that we ingest called food. And in much the same way as we get food in our stomach. Job 23.12 should be pretty much. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary foods. Psalm 34, 8. They wait for freedom for this book and open it to me in their temple. Psalm 119, 23. Because whatever the nation has become clear to the We need to feast our souls and our spirits on God's word. Just as our physical bodies would deteriorate from lack of food and our spiritual Faithful to church, listening to the teaching and preaching of the word, you know, as well as the strong personal devotion is imperative. 
Paul explained to the Corinthian believers that he needed to teach them. And I'm going to go back to the basics here because we weren't ready for the deeper teachings of, of God's word. 1 Corinthians 3.2 I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able. The writer of Hebrews would convey a similar thought. Hebrews 5.1-4 For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again to see the first principles of the oracles of God, and to become as such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, since he is a babe. <clears throat> but strong meat belongeth to them that are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. <clears throat> Talking about the difference between milk and meat. The thing about a sheep again is he ruminates. He doesn't just gulp it down as fast as he can and then bring up some water. He gets every bit of nourishment he can out of that bite. So we can ruminate on God's word when we meditate. So simply just reading our Bible doesn't give us enough. Think about it. Consider it. Ponder it. Chew on it. Get all we can from it. God told Joshua how to achieve success in spiritual things. In Joshua 1, verse 3. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Psalm 1 tells us how to have a life that's blessed by God. Psalm 1 the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119, centers on Psalm's relationship with the Word of God. And there's five times in that chapter meditation is mentioned. Psalm 119, verse 15. 23, 48, 78, I'll give it to you. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. My hands also were ever stuck unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. Let the proud be ashamed, for they dealt perversely with me without a cause, but I will meditate in the precept in thy precepts. Mine eyes prevent the night watches, that I might meditate in thy word. Paul advised Timothy to engage in concentrated meditation on God's principles. First Timothy four fifteen. Meditate meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. We need to develop the skill of listening to the voice of our shepherd by reading his word and then meditating. At some point B, we 
had constant or virtually constant C, essentially the whole day. At some point, B is submit to the shepherds or to C, call. So we're doing that calling. Shepherd that comes from sheep herd. It's the shepherd's job not only to protect and provide for the sheep, but he's also to control them, herd them. He needs to lead them to the best pastures and, and clean water. And the sheep must submit to and follow the shepherd's leading. And thus, then, as God's sheep, we too must submit to his control as our shepherd, because he knows the best. We need to follow him. Some of, there's some uh, hymns that we sing a lot that, that talk about that a lot. Trust and obey, but ignore the way. But we have to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. There's another song that we sing where he leads me, I will follow. And I'll go with him, with him, all the way. Yet another, he leadeth me. Oh, blessed thought. Oh, words with heavenly comfort cry. Whate'er I do, where'er I be, still is God's hand at the work. The psalmist, too, would express their need for God's leading in their lives a couple of times here. Psalm 139, verses 22 to 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of the life. Psalm 5. Lord, in my righteousness, because of my enemies, make my way straight before my face. Psalm 32, verse 8. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eyes. If we will listen, God will speak. And if we follow, then we will keep her safer by staying with the rest of the flock. And they're, they're especially susceptible to attack when they're separated from the flock when they're out by themselves. Predators watch for sheep to separate themselves from the others, and many times that's the sheep that gets killed. And Peter warns of the predator who stalks us. First Peter 5 verse 8. <clears throat> uh, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. The devil is a sworn enemy. He's out to devour every one of us, to ruin our lives, and take us away. From the Lord. And if we allow ourselves to become separated from God's people, we become a much easier target. Paul warned the Ephesian elders about this uh, in Acts 20, verse 29. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. We need to remain connected to the church, <coughs> faithful to its services and its houses, to its members. Hebrews 10, verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Give your shepherd your complete allegiance, 
by listening to his voice and following his control. So point two here, we've had hear the shepherd's voice, allegiance. Now we have follow the shepherd, starts with an L, obedience, correct? And this also starts with an A. Allegiance. Allegiance. <laughs> hear the shepherd's voice, which is kind of the idea of allegiance. Now follow the shepherd's lead, which has the idea of shepherd's lead action. We must learn to hear the shepherd's voice, and then we need to follow his lead. Let's look at a couple of principles involved here with following the Lord or shepherd. We need to keep something or become moving or become stagnant. When sheep graze, they eat the grass all the way down to roots, which can quickly kill the grass and then destroy the land. And to prevent overgrazing, shepherds have to constantly be moving their sheep to fresh pasture. So perhaps you played the game, of course, no Cowboys Indians know what you were doing, thinking you were reenacting the day in the Old West. But in actuality, the Cowboys Indians fought much less with each other than they did with other people. Most of the time, the Indians were fighting with the soldiers, the railroad men, and the miners. And as for the cowboys, when they weren't fighting each other over a card game or a saloon, they often fought with sheep ranchers in what was known as range wars. But because of sheep grazing methods and eating grass all the way down to the roots, land grazed by sheep became useless for cattle. And because of sheep's need to continually move, Cowboys would feel that sheep ranchers were continually taking the open range that they needed for their cattle. And any range wars were quite violent. We too must continually be on the move or we'll stagnate. Peter reminds us that we need constant growth. 2 Peter 3 18. For though grace and the knowledge of our Lord and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Paul maintained a consistent momentum as he moved forward with the Lord. Philippians 3, verse 14. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's one reason why each church we should be continually working to advance the cause of Christ. That's why Pastor pastors challenge us to keep moving forward and to give us challenges as a church to move forward. Because if we don't move forward, A, which is keep moving or become stagnant, and then uh, subpoint B is do not something, and then stay sheep. 
very strong instinct to follow other sheep in the flock. When one sheep decides to go somewhere, the rest of the flock usually follows, even if, do, even if doing so brings harm. Even from birth, lambs are conditioned to follow the older members of the flock. A USA Today article reported a report of a mass suicide of sheep in Turkey. While the shepherd briefly left the flock, their own sheep jumped off the cliff. When the shepherds returned, they were unable to stop the almost 1,500 remaining sheep from following. And 450 sheep were killed because they followed the crowd. That is the same. Cite to uh, that kind of an awesome cartoon. <laughs> but think about it here. Does this principle of cautioning us not to follow the wrong crowd contradict the earlier statements about God's people to stay close to each other? No, because sheep need the flock for protection, but they must be listening to the shepherd and wise direction. Kind of like Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. And each of us is individually accountable to God. Romans 14, verse 12. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. 2 Corinthians 5. For you must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. If we choose to follow the crowd in a direction that leads away from God, we are ultimately responsible for the consequences of our own decisions. We can follow godly people only as long as we're following Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1. <clears throat> Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. God specifically commanded the Israelites to refuse to follow those who were making wrong choices. Interesting verse here, Exodus 22, verse 2. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil, neither shalt thou speak in a cause to decline after many to wrest judgment. Scriptural examples of those who followed the crowd to their own destruction are quite numerous, especially during Israel's journey into the promised land. Frequently, you know, the complaining and the murmuring would start, get in camp, and soon the whole crowd would be all, all uptight, angry against Moses. In the case of Korah's rebellion in Numbers chapter 16, there were thousands of people that died because they followed the crowd in rebellion. When the Israelites reached the promised land, when they believed the report of the ten spies, who convinced them that they couldn't take it, rather than listening to Joshua and Caleb's report. And they paid dearly for that decision for 40 years. The crowd's fickle and easily swayed. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem, the multitudes would hail him, Matthew 21 9, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! Days later, the same multitudes crying out, crucify. People who follow the crowd without thinking for themselves often find themselves reaping unforeseen consequences. We must listen for our shepherd's voice and be obedient to follow his direction. The final point this evening, point three, is remain in the shepherds and the sea. Is that it had already been said. 
prepare has the idea of um, a bind. Yes, yes, a bind. A bind. Wealthy sheep owners who had more flocks than they could care care for alone were very careful in their selection of the shepherds that they hired, because a sheep's welfare is entirely dependent on the shepherd. Their sheep were not just pets, they were the livelihood of their family. They were valuable animals which required diligent care of the shepherd. We too are valuable to God. He called us the sheep of his house. We already read that verse, Psalm 100, verse 3, and that inspired David to write that the Lord was his shepherd, Psalm 23, verse 1. The entire 23rd Psalm details the tender care. Subpoint A depends on his protection. Depend on his protection. Many animals, and even the domesticated ones, can defend themselves effectively if necessary. But sheep can't defend themselves. All but the toughest rams would be helpless against the predator. Remember that David killed both a lion and a bear that had attacked his flock, and he took the lamb right out of the bear's mouth. And without his protection, they would have been no hope for the sheep. We already identified our enemy, Satan. The scripture also commands us to resist him. 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But, yeah, we cannot defeat Satan apart from the Lord. Jesus withstood the temptations of Satan in the wilderness with uh, using God's word, Matthew 4 and Luke 4. It's interesting, even the angels rely on the Lord when it comes to the devil and defeat defeat, uh, and as the shepherds depend on the protection of their shepherds, so we depend on the Lord. And many of us have had near-death experiences that seen the Lord's miraculous intervention in these situations. But there must be many more times that if we have had experiences like that, and we never lose the Lord. Because the Lord protects us before we even know it. And how many times have still been like that? We often don't see God's continual hand of protection. We need to be conscious of his presence. God's always watching us. Psalm 121, verse 4. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The God who keeps and watches over you never drops his attention. Nothing can happen to us that he does not either cause or permit. And in either case, his love network we depend on his protection. Psalm 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We also depend on his protection for our eternity. Thanks be to God. 
then we would struggle with the assurance of the salvation with the idea of losing it. But once we trust in Christ, our salvation is guarded. In John 10, uh, 27, 29. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which giveth them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Interesting, looking at uh, reading these verses, it was bringing me back to a uh, Marshall song in the Savior's hand, the Father's hand. I never really noticed that reading those verses there, verse 28. They shall never perish, neither shall they pluck them out of my hand. Verse 29, my father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is to pluck them out of my father's hand. Apparently, you'll spend more time in this passage in the next lesson. But you should be assured that our salvation is safe in God's hands. Sub point B, our last point, is that we depend on his ultimate provision. Provision? Yeah, provision. Plan. Or depend on his promises. Depend on his promises. The outstanding characteristic of the shepherd is his reliability. The sheep depend on him to take them to fresh pastures, lead them in the right direction, protect them from hazards, and all of that. Twice in John 10, Jesus assures us, I am the good shepherd. You see that in John 10, verse 11, and then verse 14. The good shepherd never lets his sheep down. We can trust in his promises, in the promises of our shepherd. Psalm 9, verse 10. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. It's going to give three kind of three promises here. I don't think they're like categorized on your um, on your sheets there. Uh, the first one is we have the promise of his presence now and forever. Psalm 37, 23. For the Lord loves judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 1 Corinthians 2 9. But as it is written, I have not seen you, your ears have heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. And really, we have the promise of his presence, both now and, and forever. We also have the promise of his peace. John 14 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 16, 33. These things have I, I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Romans 5, 8. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, 6-7. Be thankful for nothing, but in 
and everything by pen application. We think steadily that we will trust in the love of God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We have the promise of his presence. I'm sorry, we have the promise of his peace, but then the third one here. We also have the promise of his return. John 14, 1 to 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And then the last passage here, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. And I'm not on that other end of it here. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. But I would, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, those are just a sampling of the exceeding great and precious promises that Peter talks about that God has given to us. And those promises are backed by his unfailing faithfulness. And our own past experiences also affirm that, also affirm his reliability. Joshua would testify of God's unfailing promises. Joshua 23, 14. Behold, this day I'm going the way of all the earth. And ye know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. You can trust your shepherd who rests. So in conclusion tonight, you know, as God's sheep, we need to develop the skill of hearing our shepherd's voice. And that requires reading and meditating on his word. After we hear his voice, we need to obediently follow his leading. Sometimes we'll be tempted to follow others down paths of disobedience. But those paths are paths of destruction. Our shepherd's voice is the only one that can be unreservedly. We, all, we must constantly be alert for our lion-like enemies. He's ever on the prowl for opportunities to destroy us. Our shepherd, however, provides protection through his word. By reading and meditating on his word, we can do this. Um, our shepherd's ever vigilant and always available in times of distress. He's provided us with his unfailing promises. Encourage your heart and strengthen your faith. What a joy it is to belong to such a shepherd. Let's look at some questions here to finish us off. Number one, what does the rumination process 
that she teach us about how we can teach, or we should teach on God's word. We must ruminate on God's word by meditating on it. Simply reading it doesn't just provide give enough spiritual nourishment. We must chew on it to get all we can from it. Number two, who is our predator and what is one way we can be protected from it? What's one way that we can be protected from it? One way is staying church in the, in the flock. Staying with the flock. Remaining close to God's people can provide protection. And God's word also can be used in this defense. Number three, does the principle cautioning us not to follow the wrong crowd contradict the principle of needing to stay close to God's people? Why and why? Number four, what is the outstanding characteristic of the shepherd, and how does that relate to our ability to trust God? What's the outstanding characteristic of the shepherd? Never loses faithfulness. Never loses. Kind of has that idea of reliability with it. Dependability, reliability. Twice in John 10, it says Jesus would assure us that I am never lets the sheep out. Number five, this is an answering a very one here. Is describe a time in your life when you sensed the Holy Spirit warning you of danger, perhaps through his word, your pastor, another Christian. Did you hear or ignore it? Number six, are you as consistent and regular in digesting spiritual food as you are on physical food? What changes can you make to give the spiritual food God provides priority? Number seven, this is an interesting question here. Flocks of sheep must be regularly moved to new pastures. In what ways have you grown as a pastor? And the last one is, do you have friends or acquaintances with whom you need to lessen contact to avoid being drawn into temptation? That question number five is interesting. Is it describing a time in your life when you sense the Holy Spirit warning you of danger? Did you hear or ignore it? And what was the outcome? Anybody? Um, yeah, again, nothing. Um, that I know, whatever, but there was a situation that my wife was asked to be in and nothing looked uh, bad or whatever. I just didn't feel comfortable. And then ended up being, yeah, should have done that at a turn, some awkward positions. It wasn't like anything of my wisdom or foresight. It's just something like, ah, something isn't right here. Holy Spirit.
thoughts in general. Yeah. Yeah. I was interesting. Kind of part of the, the one question that you brought up. Um, how, how do we r ruminate on stuff and also our our worldly diet, so to speak, and there's kind of that, you think of how much time do we, for me personally, ruminate on the junk food <laughs> and not on the, the real food, but, yeah. Thought about David was a good example. sure what I would have done. <laughs> but he protected the sheep. One thing that kind of stood out to me was thinking about the idea of you know, submitting to shepherd's control as an idea of you know, him leading them around, leading them to pastures and, and water and everything. So I'm sure the journey to there Pray that we would stay in your care, listen to your voice, that we would ruminate on your word, to to learn from it, to be challenged by it, to glean from it. Um, 
welcome safely to our, our, our home this evening. I'd ask uh, Commander Van Olmert to, to lead us in prayer. 